Have you ever wondered, what do these people know that I don't know? How do I do it? How do I find my purpose, my passions? What if you could sit down with some of the wisest experts, everyday leaders, and inspirational people who could answer your deepest questions? That is what we do here on the Inspirational Living Podcast. We invite you to join us as we hold conversations, share wisdom, tips, and tools to inspire you, ignite your passions and vision for your life, to awaken your sense of purpose and hope, and leave you inspired to design your best life. Join me, your host, psychologist Dr. Sean Horn, as we take you on an inspirational, motivational, and educational journey so you can inspire by living an inspired life. What you're about to hear is the audio that I pulled from a video I posted on my YouTube channel at Dr. Sean Horn on shame, sin, and God. Yes, I'm going there, folks. This is a Judeo-Christian perspective, as well as incorporating some of my therapy that I do with folks, but we really cannot talk about shame without talking about trauma wounds that have happened in the church or church wounds and how it's affected our view of God, how it's affected how we think about sin and the shame that we carry. So for us to heal from shame, we need to have this discussion. So for those of you that are just overwhelmed and burdened with the sense that you have sinned, that you cannot be free from the sin, you've prayed, you've asked for forgiveness, but you still feel marked and you still feel fear that somehow God is going to be critical and judgmental of you because of what happened. I hope that this audio and the work that I'm doing will help you get a different perspective on, on sin and on your relationship with God so you can use this to help yourself heal, break free, and be able to have the peace that is available for you. So let's get started and here's the audio. Hi, this is Dr. Sean Horn, licensed clinical psychologist, and today I'm going to do some therapy thoughts with you and talk about shame and sin. You almost can't talk about shame without talking about the church and the concept of, of sin, especially for those who grew up in religious communities. So what I'm about to share with you today comes from a spiritual perspective. It comes from a Judeo-Christian perspective, and it also weaves in some uh, some philosophies of DBT in it, and I'm going to explain that. What happens with a lot of folks is that they have been told that if they cross a line, if they make a choice or decision that has a poor consequence or violates some social norm, some value system, that they are sinning. And therefore, they are less than, they are marked, they are going to have to go throughout life dealing with this guilty conscience, dealing with this shameful identity that God is going to come down and get you, you know, because you did this thing. Well, when I was in my doctoral training, we also attended seminary. And what was so great about the training in the seminary is that we got really into the weeds of scripture and looking at what do these words mean? We looked at the ancient language, whether it was Hebrew, Latin, Aramaic, we would look at it and we would interpret that word and do a word study. So for example, in the Hebrew language, their characters 
have layers of meaning to them. So you look at what is the root word to that character, that word, and and then you look at all these other information that you take in to help you understand what it meant. And when I did this, I discovered that a lot of the things that we have been understanding from scripture is actually incorrect. And we're missing a great depth of meaning. So I have so many examples about that, but I'm not going to go into it right now. But what I am going to talk about is the concept of relationship. So if you look at everything, I'm saying so a lot, I'm sorry. (laughs) If you look at the great design of creation, it is based on relationship. Everything in the universe is in relationship from the sun and the moon and the birds and the bees. It's all about elements coming together and relating. And the human design is based exclusively on relationship. And what we know in psychology is that our relationship that we form and we develop coming into this world shapes us. It shapes our our nervous system. It shapes our brain. It shapes our core beliefs. It shapes the way we attach to people we don't, what our defenses are or, or not. That all comes from our primary relationships, which are very, very important. And so what I've come to realize is that the concept of God about this being that is out there that is benevolent, cares about you, involved with you, what we I believe in is that it wants a relationship with us. It wants to be in flow with us, not separate. What we learn about in psychology is that there's this phenomenon that happens where what you feel about your earthly father gets projected onto a heavenly father. So if your earthly father was angry and critical, then people will see their heavenly father as angry and critical. If your earthly father abandoned you, was negligent, then people feel like God doesn't care about me and so forth. So if you look at how you experience God or think about God or the universe and however you want to call it, that if you look at how you describe that, and then you look at how you describe your earthly father, is it the same? Is it similar? Often people find it is. Unfortunately, therefore, our view of this God figure is tainted because we see it through the lens of our human experience. We have that complication. And then on top of it, you have people telling you, what these things mean in the Bible that might be false, might be misunderstandings and misinterpreted and all that kind of stuff. One of my professors said in my program, they were talking about the Ten Commandments. So the Ten Commandments weren't about these rules that you had to follow. They were about freedom. They're guidelines to help us live effectively and to live free of the complications that come with some of those choices. If I'm not lying, I don't have to have a guilty conscience about it. I don't have the negative consequences of it. I can have peace. If I'm not envying my neighbor, then I have peace to enjoy what I have. So it's about the peace that is intended for us, not about rules like don't do that or else. What happens in a lot of religious communities is they will use fear to control people. Bullies know if you can control how people feel, you can control people. Therefore, 
churches and parents and all sorts of communities will use that to influence you. And it's been used throughout the history of us where parents will give us these scary scenarios. And if you do this thing, this big scary thing's going to happen. So don't do it. And in a lot of religious groups, they'll say that some, there'll be some very big, scary, negative consequence. Should you make this choice? Should you not choose this God, follow these rules, have this behavior? You will then go to hell. You will go, you will be rejected. You will be excommunicated, things like this. And it's impossible not to have weaknesses. It's impossible not to make mistakes. And people will then hide it, feel imprisoned inside and wrestle with that for throughout their life. It's really, it really does create a big shame core. Just to, to review shame, healthy shame, often is it called guilt or convictions. It's information we want, helps inform us, helps us to be appropriate and safe. But toxic shame is the message that when you make a mistake, you didn't just make a mistake, you are a mistake, you're flawed, you're defective, something is wrong with you. So it becomes a statement about your identity, your worth. Now keep this in mind as I introduce a concept from dialectic behavioral therapy of a skill called non-judgment. We introduce this to people by saying judgment is seeing things as good or bad, right or wrong, worthy or unworthy. Often it is associated with a value. So if I say that's bad taste, then you have bad taste. It's personal. It becomes a statement of your identity. If I say uh, this person should never have done that thing, then I would never do that thing. Then they have less value. This is ineffective. It's emotionally charged and it ends up getting us all stuck and caught up in shoulds and shouldn'ts and trying to make life be ideal and be how we think it should be and stuff like that. Instead, what we want to do is describe. Describe what's harmful and ineffective, what's effective, what's not effective, which is harmful, has negative consequences, and what is not. That way, we can look at it and say, well, this choice is going to result in a lot of problems for me. Therefore, it would be in my best interest and be in the best interest of all should I refrain from that choice or get help and assistance to help me overcome the struggle that I'm having. Then we could do something or focus on problem management. With shame, toxic shame, we focus on appearance management. So basically you just hide it. Don't tell anyone. Don't let them see. And then we're stuck with it year after year. And I don't want to see that for you. I don't want to see it for me. So it's time for us to get shame free, which means that we're getting skills to navigate through the the shame storms that come our way. And, And the very important tool to use is to be more descriptive. So as we look at how that applies to our spiritual life, to the concept of sin, let's look at the origin of the word sin. It is my understanding that sin means to separate. You're separating from God. But here's the twist on it. As you remember earlier, I said that God wants a relationship with us. So one day I got this analogy where I got this image, this idea that God wants to be in flow with us, like dance with us, make it with us, cook with us. 
that it's not so much about the destiny as it is about the dance, the process, where by joining and doing that journey together, I'm learning about God. I'm discovering who I am in in the presence of God, with God, and what we can co-create together. Instead of God just doing stuff or me just doing stuff, we're in constant communication and we're co-creating together. I have some episodes about that on Inspired Living, talking about the line path and how we, a lot of people just wait to wait for the music to play to dance. But what God wants us to do is start dancing and then the music will play and then we'll hear the lyrics. And the idea is that when we're in relationship with God, we then have special access to hearing God, to being directed by God through our spirit. How we would understand that is really it's those nudges inside us that go, that, that advise us or lean us towards a certain direction. Like that's a good choice for me or, mm-hmm. or no, it's not good. Mm-mm. You know, it's the caveman, cave girl, cave person inside you that is nudging you saying, do this, don't do that. Go there. Don't go there. Those kind of things. It's in your core. It's sound. It's calm. It is, it is, um, talking to you at all times. It's your sixth sense. It's your intuition. It's your wisdom. It's the knowledge that comes to you. It's the things that you hear in your minds, uh, in, in your spiritual ears, so to speak. So I have an analogy for you. I have these headphones that I'm going to show you. And imagine that this headphone right here is going to give me the ability to hear God. And God says, look, I want to talk to you. I want to be in relationship with you. And I want us all day, every day to be interacting with each other. So let's join together. So you take it and you put it on. Let's join together and then you will hear me. So you say, yeah, I'm ready to sign up for that. So you do it and you put on your communication device. Now I have the headphones on my ears and I can hear. There's a scripture, a passage in scripture that says that you will abide by God's statutes. And I did a word study on that. And it basically means you're going to be able to hear the direction that God gives you and you will move with it because you have the Holy Spirit in you. So this goes along with what I'm saying right here, that you're putting on this communication device so that you can hear and it will inform you as you go on this journey of life. However, in order for us to do that, because we're co-creating with God, then we aren't relying on our own understanding. We're not relying on our earthly eyes. We're relying on our spiritual eyes. We're relying on the eyes we see through the lens that God gives us. We're not listening with our human ears. We're listening with our spiritual ears. And this can be a little disorienting and it takes some practice, daily practice to become tuned into, attuned to your spiritual guidance. And what happens is a lot of people say, "Mm -mm, I don't like this. I can't hear this. I can't see this. God's not talking to me. I'm abandoned. He's not answering my prayers. And off goes the headset and you put it alongside. Now I just separated from my relationship with God. That is the description of sin in scripture. I'm now separated. I'm not in relationship. And when I'm there, I'm relying on my own understanding. 
I'm relying on my own logic, my own ability to make sense of things. And we already know that we have limited perspectives. When we look at our life and we, we say, is that possible? We make so many mistakes. We'll say, well, I can't see how it's not possible. Therefore, it's not possible. I, don't, I can't uh, understand that. Therefore, it's not understandable. And we're constantly given information that's showing us that that's not the case, that things can be possible that we can't see. Things can be understood that we can't understand. So we need to be aware that there's a lot more than what our eyes can see and our brains can understand. We are at risk when we rely on our own understanding because then the limiting beliefs come in, the limiting perspective comes in, and then we, we react to life. We react out of fear. We react from a place of wanting to control within our ability to understand. This ends up being somewhat of a hot mess for us. And then we see the consequence of it. We made a choice that was directed by our flesh now, some of it's not always a choice that I am intentionally making. It could be that my survival brain from the trauma that I've gone through is telling me and directing me to make this choice right now, right here, because my nervous system is dysregulated. I believe God understands that. He made our bodies. He knows when we're chemically off, when our nervous system's off. It's not an excuse, but it is understandable. And he's created things available for us to get help with that. This is where we have to say, I feel compelled. I'm having these, these reactions that are a problem, but I don't have the ability to mediate it or to change it or the skills. I need help. And if you're shame-free, you will access that help, even though it's hard. And even though you don't want to talk about it ever, and you're scared to death, if you mention it, someone is going to judge you. Your mental health professionals should not be judging you. They are trained in a functional model, a biopsychosocial model to understand why we do the things we do as people. So well, I know that there's been some therapists out there that have not been safe or been judgmental or reactive or aren't adequately trained or aren't competent in working with the situation that you're going to them with. So we do want to find someone that specializes in what we need. There's lots to say about that, how to find a therapist, and we'll talk about that. But for the purpose of this talk, what I want to point out is that when we get in that moment, and maybe I was really dysregulated, and so I went to alcohol, I went to gambling, maybe I had a relationship that I'm compelled to return to, maybe I want to soothe myself and can't do it in the context of this relationship, and I step out. Perhaps I have other things that are going on, all sorts of things that have been designated called sin. And what we want to look at is all it is saying is that I have just stepped out of my relationship with my creator. And when I do it on my own, I'm not as strong as I could be. I'm not as wise as I could be. And I'm likely to create a solution that's going to create a bigger problem. So when I catch it, I feel convicted and I go, oh my gosh, this isn't, this isn't working. Look what happened. We want to grab our relationship headset and put it back on so we can then be in relationship once again with our creator and we can get into our spiritual life, our spiritual aligned path 
where we can hear what God wants to say to us, see what God wants us to see. It's actually quite miraculous if you think about it. And then we are able to have a more peaceful life or a life that is more effective because we're living on by principles that are wise for us. So tricky part is who is interpreting what's wise? Is it that church? Is it that parent? Is it that pastor? And you're just told to obey, period? That's a problem. I got a problem with that. (laughs) Because they're human. And they might be relying on their own understanding. And they might be coming from a place of fear and a place of control. And that is not the fruits of God. God doesn't want to control us. And he doesn't want us to come to him from a place of fear. I believe that God wants us to love God and to want God and to desire God and to desire that relationship to see what is possible. And if I have that, how could I rise? What would happen if I did? Who can I be in relationship with God, in relationship with my spiritual life? What would that be like? And that's the journey. It is an everyday journey. I, for lack of a better analogy, I say you got to get under the influence of God by ingesting it every day. You have to put it in your body. And how we do that is by singing, worshiping, praying, reading scripture, doing daily devotions, and getting into that information somehow every day. That will fuse you up and you'll be connected. If we dry up, we're not connecting with our spiritual practices. We're not praying, worshiping, reading, and doing our spiritual journey, whatever that is, then we're likely to lose connection with that. And when we do, we took off the headphones because we were tired or we were distracted. And then we kind of get the consequences of that. So when you look at the idea of sin, what I am suggesting today, And some of you might disagree with it. And it's a disclaimer. It's my worldview. And worldviews are like sand in a picnic. They get into everything. And whoever you seek counseling with, whoever you talk to, get and teaches you, you're getting their worldview. We want to critically think. We want to investigate. If you are saying, hmm, that's curious, go investigate it. Do a word study on sin. Look at the different interpretations of it. I don't want you to believe it just because I said it. I want to stimulate your thoughts and your efforts to gain a more intimate understanding of your spiritual life with your creator and what could be possible in that. And no one can define that for you except for you. No one can tell you what is true or not true except for what we learn from God, what we gain in that journey. And it has to be something that we we understand. There's a saying that certainty will equal doubt, but doubt will equal certainty. And what that means is if you never question and you're certain about something, then the second that that's challenged, you're going to lose what you're certain about. But if you question, wrestle and seek the information, seek the understanding, you will come to know why you believe what you believe and it will be likely unwavering. In my journey, I came to understand who God was and choose that later in life. And I wrestled with it. I studied it. I asked questions. I looked at every point of view. I went to different churches. I really wrestled with information. I have faith crisis. I got angry with God. I felt abandoned. I got reconnected. All that stuff. 
But then you get to a point after you've journeyed with God for so long that you're like, yeah, I know you. I got you. I know your character. And this is not your character. So I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what to think. I don't know how to think about this, but I do know that I know who you are and I am going to hold on to that. Even though I don't feel it right now, even though I don't see it right now, I believe and I have faith that this is true about you. That sustains us and gives us resilience when we're really struggling. So for those who've journeyed for a while and gone through some crisis, you kind of get that, that muscle strength that spiritual strength that you can endure a little bit more and you can have a a deeper understanding that's a little more grounded. But for those that are new or they believe because they were told and now they're saying, well, I don't want to just have it in my head. I want a heart connection. I want to feel like I'm in a relationship, that I'm in this intimate connection. And what is that? Like, how do you talk intimately to God, to my creator? What does this mean? Now, dialectics is the idea that opposites can occur together. We can be strong and weak at the same time. We can have things we do really well and not really well. And I love to use the example of Jesus on the cross because you go to some churches and he says he went on the cross to die for your sins because we're such horrible sinners. You go to this other church and they say, Jesus died on the cross because you're a precious child of God and he loves you. So he made that sacrifice for you. Well, which is it? And dialectics to say both. We are separate from God in our own flesh and limited from that perspective. But at the same time, our creator has made himself or herself or himself or however you want to see it available for us to be in union. And we will grow as we go. We, but we need to dance. We need to get moving because then we create together. I'll create another video on co-creation But for today, what I wanted you to understand is that sin, from my understanding, means separation out of relationship with God. It is just there to inform us that that isn't where we want to be because that's a rough place. We get a lot of negative outcomes. We might react. We might be impulsive. We might rely on unhealthy coping skills because we're not tapping into what comes in the relationship with God which is wisdom. It says in scripture, the Holy Spirit ministers to you. Angels minister to you. So when you're in relationship, then you're hearing that and you're connecting with that. And if that hasn't happened for you, just got to trust me on this and, and experiment with it. But we need to guide our feelings instead of follow our feelings. And this is something a lot of people make mistakes with. They believe what they feel. If I feel like a horrible sinner, unworthy, less than, than I am. Well, here's what, how, look at it. If that is keeping you away from God, that's not from God. Look at the fruits of the Holy Spirit. God wants us to have peace. He wants us to have joy, to have love, to have relationship, to know God. So anything that separates, destroys, deceives, divides, those aren't the character of God. So the first thing we really want to do is understand God's character so we can recognize which is showing up and which isn't. When someone goes to a church and that church shames them and they have to go away, they're pushed away. What is that? That's division. Is division 
the character of God? I would suggest it's not. So that's man. That's humans. That is the consequence of a human doing a human thing. But if you go to a church and you say, I'm really suffering and struggling, and they, they rally around you, support you, say, me too. Let's talk about it. We got resources. We're going to problem solve this. I'm going to pray for you, bud. And they don't try to do your faith for you. Just like in AA, they say, don't do another person's recovery. It's not their job to police your faith. It really isn't. Nor can they because they don't know what's going on in your heart. You can follow everything the way it should be um, to on the outside. And they just think you're just the most wonderful Christian or whatever faith you want to fill in there. And yet behind closed doors, there's domestic violence, there's incest, there's abuse and things like that. So what you see does not tell you what is underneath that, that hood, so to speak, right? So you cannot, you cannot presume to know someone's faith and someone's thoughts and feelings. You just can't, we can't. So how am I going to manage somebody else's faith? I don't even want that job because if I get it wrong, I don't want to have the consequences of that. I don't want to have a consequence of misleading someone, which I'm sure I have. And, and for all those moments, I am going to extend grace because God knows my heart and he knows that I desire not to do that. And I hopefully will keep asking for direction and my consciousness will inform me and the wisdom I find in scripture. I love Proverbs. This is going to help guide me. So we want to have I just said so again. <laughs> Today is just a so-so day and I'm Dr. So-so. So there we go. Oh, you're going to be saying that now too. It's like when people say like, you just keep saying like all the time, right? Oh, oh, oh. okay. I'm going to get rid of that. When people tell you that something is a sin and we go through those head trips and all that stuff, what we want to have is hindsight, not hindsight. Hindsight is a punisher. It's shameful. It's saying, don't do that. Should have, would have, could have, have to, ought to, you're bad. But hindsight is saying, hmm, all right, let's look at this. What choices did I make that were ineffective? What thing did I do or not do that was not in my best interest or the best interest of others? And then once you identify that, then you go to the next step, which is, all right, now that I know this, is there something I can do? Can I change it? Do I need to attend to it? Can I make it different? If so, then do so. If not, maybe it's something we can't go back and change. We can't control. It just is. It just is. And when that happens, we have to surrender. We have to turn it over to God and say, wow, this is hard for me, God. And then you can look at, well, in the future, should this ever happen again, then I'm going to do this differently. And then you do that. Then it's useful to you. Then you're given wisdom that will inform your future and make it better. That's hindsight. That's what we want to do. When you look at your past and your journey, so often people hold themselves accountable in their past as if they had the brain that they have today the circumstances they have today. They don't understand the neurological differences developmentally, that children can't make certain informed choices and decisions. They There's so much to teach about that, so much. We often shame and blame ourselves for the things we don't understand and for what we don't know. 
So we must guard against shaming, blaming, and stigmatizing. And really, if you're wrestling with that, seek help because we can help people understand why something happened, why their behavior was the way it was, how their brain did what it did, help them understand so that we can have a shame-free perspective on it. And then we can have kind sight and do what we need to do. Ultimately, if we, I wish we had another word for sin. Like it's a, it's a veering away. It's a rejection of God's guidance. It's a, a taking it back and saying, I'm going to do my own life, my own way. And in all those scenarios, it's saying, I'm not going to be doing this with you, God. I'm walking this path, but we are not hand in hand. And I am not co-creating with you. I am self-creating. And this can be problematic. The church and religious groups have lost that perspective. They shame, blame, and stigmatize that which they don't understand. And often, the more shaming they are, the more they got skeletons in their closet. Guarantee it. So the more fundamental legalistic people are, it's almost like a confession. (laughs) So I get nervous about that. You want to be in communities with people who support you, who will problem solve with you, who have compassion and grace for the human journey, and who will help facilitate a loving, connected relationship with God through a supportive, loving way, is what I believe. You can disagree. But those are my thoughts I want to share today about how do we heal from shame in the church and the concept of sin. We really need to change that paradigm and that understanding and frame it differently and understand that concept for the way it was intended in scripture, the way it is defined in the original context and the original language. I hope this was helpful to you. So here's a few things I want you to do if it was. If you like this and you want more, then please subscribe to my channel. Listen to this recording. I'm going to take the audio of this and I'm going to upload it to my Inspired Living podcast. So if you're catching this here, you can also watch me on video on my YouTube channel. Please subscribe to where I am and come over to my website and sign up for my email list so I can send you resources. I made a decision tree regarding this thing I just talked about, about how to navigate through Kindsight when you look at it and say, what can I change? What can't I? What are the steps I do? So you can get that from my resources. So come on over and please sign up for my email list. I've been talking about this email list for a while but I'm, I've been building up content. So it's coming. Thank you for your patience. I'm so glad you're here and joining me on this. Please drop some questions for me. I am more than happy to answer these questions for you and desire to do so. I look forward to further conversations with you. Please share this with people that you think this would benefit and would be helpful to. All right. Thanks. I'm Dr. Sean Horn, licensed clinical psychologist and host of Inspired Living Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this discussion was inspiring and uplifting to your journey. Please remember this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not meant to substitute a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Also, make sure you rate this show, share with those you know, and send us a shout out. Please message me with any topics you would like me to address or questions you have on social media at Dr. Sean Horn or on my website. 
Thank you again, and may you find joy in the journey and be richly blessed.